1: Hello, everybody. Welcome into another episode of the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast. I am Ryan Warmly, joined today by Derek Brown and Andrew Erickson. Fellas, we are here at the end of August. By the time people are listening to this, it might even be the start of September, which is the start of the 2023 NFL season and the fantasy season. Do you guys have
2: many drafts left here as we enter the final weekend, Erickson? Yeah, I got a couple of drafts. I got another FFPC draft coming up in the beginning of September. So excited for that. You still want to enter the contest. You can draft against me. So go check it out on X. I posted the draft league there. But yeah, no, I got drafts lined up Tuesday, Wednesday. I may even have one on Thursday, the night we have the season kickoff. So I am up to my head in NFL drafts. Can't wait.
1: <laughs> Please refrain from referring to it as X in the future. It's still Twitter to me. d do you have many drafts this weekend? Yes, yeah, sir.
3: Well, actually, I've got drafts uh, this weekend, and I've got some um, Thursday night, Friday night. I've got two FFPC high stakes uh, fantasy pro championships drafts, as well as uh, I'm doing a draft and a league with our subs in the Discord. So the fantasy D- uh, pros DGen league is going to be drafting. Shout out to Fuzzy Fox. Uh, everybody in that league going to be drafting that because we're true psychos. We're going all the way up to it, uh, September sixth of so the Wednesday before. The first week of the season, we're
1: doing that that night. So uh, ought to be interesting, man. Fireworks all around. I've got all my home league drafts this weekend. So it's going to be a super fun weekend for everybody. I hope everybody enjoys Labor Day as well. Fellas, we are talking about Our 12 biggest busts this season. And as Erickson said before we actually started recording, he's bringing some chaos today. You're not drafting busts in rounds 12. You're drafting them in rounds two, three, and four. And Erickson is here to tell you why you are wrong to be picking some of your favorite players. (laughs) Uh, We're going to go through every position here, hit a couple guys from each spot. Erickson, let's start with you and start with a couple of second round wide receivers.
2: Yeah, because, uh, you know, busts are basically the breakouts that don't happen. Like, that is the definition of a bust. So for me, I'm going to a player, Devonta Smith, for the Philadelphia Eagles, who broke out in the second half of last season because of a Dallas Goddard injury in week 10. But if you go before that, what was Devonta Smith doing while Dallas Goddard was healthy in the lineup? He was averaging fewer than 10 fantasy points per game. He was wide receiver 35 in points per game, wide receiver 34 overall. When you look at him in the entire season, he was wide receiver 16 and points per game. So we're drafting him as like a fringe wide receiver one when we've only seen him be a wide receiver one for half a season. And you can chalk it up to another player on his team who's very good, missing significant time. Now, there were some games where Devonta Smith was productive at the end of the year, but Dallas Goddard was playing, but he was still coming back from his injury. So he may not have been at 100%. So for me, Devonta Smith is still the 1B in this office. I still think that A.J. Brown is the number one receiver. And for me, I just think his ranking is too heavily weighing that second half surge where he basically was on fire when Dallas Goddard was healthy on the field with him at the beginning of the year. They had an exact target rate per outrun. It was the same. So Smith was a fantasy wide receiver, one, 19% of his games last year. Three times he finished as a top 12 player. That was it. That was fewer than Christian Watson, Mike Williams, and Zay Jones. So for me, it's like you're taking on a lot of risk taking him at the back end of the second round where you're expecting him to just continue what he did at the end of last year when there's a lot of reasons why that shouldn't happen or won't happen in 2023.
1: And then your other receiver?
2: Uh, My other guy is Chris Olave for the New Orleans Saints. Now, this is going to (sighs) definitely ruffle some feathers because a lot of people like Chris Olave. He's the number one breakout player. But you know who the number one breakout player last year was? Michael Pittman. He was the highest ranked player last year that had not previously broken out. And people look at, well, what are you talking about, Erickson? Olave broke out last year. Well, he wasn't a top 24 fantasy wide receiver because of everything he did last year. You're pointing to an efficiency basis. Oh, he was super efficient on a routes, yards per route run, sixth, eighth in target rate per route run. Okay, great. So why wasn't he scoring any fantasy points? Like, because ultimately you got to score points to get into lineups and to win leagues. He was wide receiver, 28 points per game, 23rd in expected fantasy points per game, he finishes as a fantasy wide receiver three and just six of his 14 games played. He does not create any yards after the catch. He didn't do that in college. And he did not do that in his first year in the NFL. So for me, it's like, are we really fueling up Chris Olave to be a fantasy wide receiver one because of Derek Carr? Like, I don't want to do that. Like, I don't want to bet on Derek Carr being the reason why Chris Olave breaks out in 2023. If anything, I would rather bet against Derek Carr because He hasn't really been that great of a quarterback. And before Devontae Adams fell into his lap last year, were we just like, oh, Derek Carr is going to get all these guys to be wide receiver ones. And a lot lot of the production from his receivers has come from touchdowns. The lack of touchdowns scares me with Chris Olave in this offense because that was something I was concerned about with Michael Pittman last year. If Pittman did not fire in 2022 was because he didn't score enough touchdowns. It's exactly what happened. He scored four times. Olave only saw 11 red zone targets last year. He saw fewer targets inside the 10-yard line than Michael Thomas. Guys, Michael Thomas barely played last year, and he had more targets inside the 10 than Chris Olave did. So how are we going to see Chris Olave make this insane vault from outside the top 24 wide receivers in fantasy scoring when he's not the primary read in the red zone? Jimmy Graham's there. Taysom Hill. Jamal Williams. Juwan Johnson. Like Michael Thomas, a healthy Michael Thomas. I I don't see Olave carving out a massive red zone role in this offense. So for me, I think that he's probably going to be finished more as a back-end fantasy wide receiver two than as a fantasy wide receiver one where he's being drafted. So look, I know that a lot of people like Olave. He's a good player and he was made NFL ready coming into the league. And that's why he was so productive his rookie year. But if an NFL ready player delivers in his first year, why should we expect him to just take another massive leap forward when he was already ready from the get-go. So, Debro, I want to set you up here by reading your most recent expert
1: note on Chris Olave. just the first two sentences. Chris Olave had a magnificent rookie season as a target-vacuuming wide receiver with alpha potential. He finished as the wide receiver 25 in fantasy points per game, which doesn't do any justice to his sparkling efficiency metrics. So I'm guessing you disagree with Erickson here. (laughs) I do disagree. And
3: look, I understand where Erickson's coming from. You do need the touchdowns. And the thing I'll push back on is that, yes, Chris Olave only had four touchdowns. But can we also say that, like, some of these deep targets and his profile, like, he should have scored more touchdowns than he did last year as well. I mean, the man was fourth in deep targets in the NFL. So... I do think that there is some other touchdown regression that we can have here, even outside of the red zone. I won't push back on Erickson about the red zone role, but targets and earning that is a skill. If we think that the quarterback play is going to go up this year, I think Chris Olave, hell, he could catch... 90 plus balls in this offense, because I don't think Michael Thomas is coming back and being the Michael Thomas of old. Maybe he lives off the of touchdowns and pulls like a yesteryear Rams kind of Odell Beckham run out. Maybe that happens. But in a better offense, I think that the target volume is going to be there for Olave and I think his touchdowns, whether inside the red zone or on deep shots from Derek Carr, because Derek Carr has not been good over the last two years. But if you go back and I I know like I'm not trying to cherry pick, but inside of a functional offense, a good offense, when he had a good deep threat out of just all he had was Devontae Adams, Derek Waller couldn't stay healthy last year. Derek Carr was a top five deep ball passer if you go back, not last year, the year before, but the year before that. So I'm still in on Olave.
1: Erickson, it feels to me like Smith and Olave go in very similar sections, kind of that late second round in most of the drafts that I've done. Do you have a preference between the two or are you avoiding both at that price?
2: So I don't like them at those prices and that's kind of why they fall into this bust here for me because I feel like I'm forcing guys that I really don't want to pick there and for me it's like I'd rather have DK Metcalf over both those guys. DK Metcalf is a clear alpha in his offense. Like I know that we love Jack Smith and Jigba, Tyler Lockett's always undervalued but DK Metcalf's in his prime. He led the NFL in Ed zone targets last year. Again, targets are great and receptions are great but you know what wins titles? Touchdowns. DK Metcalf has way more touchdown equity in the seahawks offense where geno smith threw 30 touchdowns last year and he has even talked about how he left a lot on the board they had the worst red zone offense in the nfl last year the seahawks Well, actually patriots did seahawks were second worst <laughs> um but i think metcalf has a higher ceiling than both those guys and i'm not saying Olavi's lot a bad player but last year he wasn't a bad player but he didn't score enough fantasy points like and that's a fact so Yeah, I think that he's a good long term bet, but I don't see this massive fantasy wide receiver one ceiling that we're all kind of projecting to be similar like we did with Michael Pittman just one last year ago. So that's why I'm just hesitant to pull the trigger.
3: I I will bring up one other thing here. Chris Olave in his rookie season, wide receiver 25 in fantasy points per game in his rookie season. DK Metcalf hasn't been higher than wide receiver 20 in each of the last two years. Wide receiver 20 and wide receiver 24.
2: Yeah, because he's played all the games. He hasn't missed any games. We are finally,
1: finally done with preseason games, training camp reports, August injuries. The regular season is essentially here. While there is almost nothing that I love more than sitting down with Scott Hansen for seven hours of commercial free football, there is nothing better than being at a game live. And the best way to get tickets to any of these games is on GameTime, the official ticketing partner of Fantasy Pros Fantasy Football Erickson, we're here, you know, week one, right around the corner. Do you have a game that you're most looking forward to trying to get
2: to in this slate? If if you could go to one. I'm going to go right into my backyard, go see my Patriots take down the NFC reigning champs, the Philadelphia Eagles. Bill Belichick has been brewing all offseason trying to figure out how to stop Jalen Hurts. So they're going to bring it all into one game. It's going to be great they'll probably maybe then maybe they don't win but they'll cover so I'm excited for the Patriots week one against the Eagles
1: Erickson promising a cover Debra how about you which game could you go to on the on the week one slate if you could go to any
2: (laughs) I'm going to the Big
3: Easy, baby. I'm gonna go watch my Saints. I'm gonna go watch Chris Olave just catching bombs all freaking day, just torching
1: <laughs> the Tennessee secondary, baby. Let's go. Uh, I love how we're all just picking our favorite teams because I am going to see Lamar Jackson in not literally going, but if big I could, surprise, I would go to see surprise, Worm. I would, you don't want to see this new look offense: Odell, Zay, Lamar, Todd, Munkin, healthy J.K. I, Dobbins. Go wait,
2: absolutely. I, they're wait, gonna I, drop I, fifty I, I you points on to the go Texans. Go see Buffalo Bills. Josh Allen. You ranked higher than Lamar. Jackson, why do you want to go see oh, the yeah, I'm, I'm the Jets, out on man. such a limb thinking that Josh
1: Allen is a better fantasy QB than Lamar. I do love the Lamar at cost. I like Lamar at cost better than Josh Allen. But Josh Allen, obviously, in my opinion, should still be ranked higher. Regardless of that. I'm on the Game Time app right now, and both of those games you mentioned and my game too still have tickets available. I can even navigate through the cheapest options, and my favorite part is I can see the view immediately. So I know exactly what kind of seat I'm paying for. For last-minute amazing deals on tickets to see your favorite football team. Download Game Time. Download the Game Time app and redeem code FantasyPros for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, download the Game Time app and enter code FantasyPros, all one word, for $20 off. No matter where you live live, get out and have some fun this week. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Debro, give me your wide receiver busts. I mean, if people have been looking
3: at my ranks on Fantasy Pros, they already know because I'm hard fading both of these guys. It's Debo Samuel and George Pickens. Like right now, ECR has Debo Samuel at wide receiver 19. I don't know what we're doing here. I've got him at wide receiver 33 because guess what, people? That's basically what he was last year. It was wide receiver three last season. And if you look at the sample size with Christian McCaffrey on this team as a full-time player, I know it's a small one, but it's all we got. Four games Debo Samuel scored. He was the wide receiver 58, wide receiver 5. That's great and grand, but the other ones, wide receiver 66 and 33, it's gross. Like, we're talking about a wide receiver three type of player on an a run first offense that just saw his A dot go from 8.1 to 4.2. And he's not getting deep targets because he only got 0.4 of those per game, which dropped off to almost one a game the previous season. And in the eight games where he played with CMC and had at least a 72% route per dropback rate, he got four red zone targets. So he's not getting red zone work. He's not getting looks down the field. And we're talking about he's not going to get massive volume because he's in a run first offense. I don't understand why we're drafting Debo Samuel as a wide receiver too, but I think he's going to bust at that and be one of the worst picks in fantasy this year. And George Pickens, same type of thing. Like, I think that Kenny Pickett's going to be a better player than he was last year, but I cannot buy him as, as a wide receiver three. He's going as wide receiver 36 in ECR. He's my wide receiver 47. And this all goes back to George Pickens last year. Yeah, he was either great. Uh, He he had six weeks inside of the top 24 because he got a lot of deep targets or he was unstartable. He had eight games last year where he was outside of the wide receiver. He was the wide receiver 50 or lower in weekly scoring. He's not even touching your lineup. He's crushing you at those points where if if he didn't boom, you were crying in your hands uh, after Sunday about the production. He didn't give your team. So I think that this team after the trade of, uh, Chase Claypool last year, we saw this team use more two wide receiver sets with Allen Robinson there with Calvin Austin there. They're going to run more three wide because they did that in weeks one through eight in that sample size where they had three wide receivers on the field last year, George Pickens had a 15% target share. He had 1.1 yards per route run. And in case you're listening at home and you want context, those metrics suck. That's bad. That's not even startable worthy. So people can miss me with George Pickens as a wide receiver three. No, thank you. He's going to bust.
1: You're going to be really ticked off if you drafted him. I'm avoiding. So Erickson, you are actually significantly higher on both of these guys than Debra. I believe you're more than double digit, uh, you know, slots ha- ahead on both of these guys compared to where Debra has them ranked. So which of these two, Debo Samuel and George Pickens, do you disagree with more vehemently, uh, you know, with Debra?
2: Well, I guess for Debo Samuel, I mean, I I definitely have Debo Samuel inside my top 30 receivers. I'm pretty aligned with ECR. I think I have him wide receiver 18 or 19, and that's kind of like where his ECR ranking is. So for me, I mean, if you just want to call out like, hey, this guy's gonna get hurt, like that in itself is a big bus factor when it comes to Debo, just the way that he plays the game. So I think that it's honestly like a quote unquote, like a safe call that Debro is making here that's like, if you don't just want to deal with like Debo like potentially just getting hurt because he plays wide receiver like a running back, then I totally I totally get that. But from like a production standpoint, he was still the number one target when Brock Purdy was under center last year. Like he was getting more targets per game, per route run, twenty six percent target rate per route run, which was better than Jamar Chase with Brock Purdy under center last year. So when he's out there, he's gonna get the bar. He's gonna get the rock. Now it's a matter of okay, where are the high value touches coming from from him? So he's still a receiver that we saw go for over fourteen hundred receiving yards just two years ago, and he was obviously banged up last year. So it's kind of been an every other year with Debo. So. I still side with where he goes. I don't think his price is egregious, but I do recognize that the bust factors, and I think that's actually more injury related than his role necessarily. I think that he will get enough targets and volume in this offense. Like George Kittle, as, as we'll talk about a little bit later um, is my big real concern in this 49ers offense. Yeah. And
3: Erickson. So the other part about that, I'll hammer home the point about what would you brought up about DK Metcalf. I don't know where the touchdowns are coming from Devo, like all those high value touches, like the same reasons you brought up kind of with Olave, I just don't see it with Debo. Like, where is he scoring the touchdowns if he's not getting the rushing work, he's not getting deep targets, and he's not getting looks in the red zone. So that's why I got to fade him.
1: Fellas, as much as I love football season, my heart really belongs to one sport, and that is adult slow-pitch softball. I've talked about it on this show before. There is nothing I love more on a beautiful Denver evening than playing softball with my friends. And while it's not technically a beer league, we sure treat it like one. And when we're drinking beers to wash away the sting of a loss or celebrate a summer season championship like we did earlier this month— Either way, we're drinking Miller Light, the 96-calorie beer that tastes like beer and is perfectly brewed for everything summer has to offer. After winning our softball title, we had to go out and celebrate, of course. And what was the first thing we did after getting to our table – Order a couple pictures of Miller Lights, of course, and our good time jumps into another gear, inside or outside, hanging with friends or just peacefully enjoying a summer sunset or sunrise if you're on vacation. Live those summer moments with Miller Light. With a Miller Light in your hand, summer doesn't just taste great. It tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Light delivered right to your door, visit MillerLight.com slash pros That's MillerLight.com slash pros Or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee. Wisconsin, 96 calories and 3.2 carbs for
2: 12 ounces. Erickson, give me your running backs here. So, for my running backs, I'm looking at Brees Hall for the New York Jets. Look, people, with Brees Hall, I'm very concerned about how he's going to start the year because when guys come out of the gates, we kind of anchor to what they do during the beginning of the season as to what they kind of deliver for us for the long term. So Brees Hall, I just think has a lot of red flags that I think that for the most part, we're kind of ignoring, like he's coming off the injury. They added Dalvin cook and Aaron Rodgers was a a big role in them adding Dalvin cook to their offense. Like he wanted them to come in, bringing this running back. And I think that Dalvin cook is going to play like, if he's going to have a significant role in this offense. So where are we getting this like massive insane upside from Brees hall to start the season? when he's coming off the acl they have the worst schedule in the nfl through the first six weeks of the year shaky offensive line to learning it's a new offense the new quarterback i just think that there's a lot of change and things going on and when i was looking back at like busts from running backs in previous years or like specifically last year just like the more change that you add to a player's scenario just the more likely their chance to bust. And injuries play a massive role in that as well, especially at the running back position. So I just think that there's a lot of things that could easily go wrong for Brees Hall to not pay off as like a top 50 pick. And that's kind of where I draw the line on him. Like when he goes like the back end of round five, I feel more comfortable taking him. But when I really haven't seen his ADP dip enough for me to take the swing on Brees Hall, because I recognize that there is a lot of second half upside. But how do we like for those that are drafting him with so much confidence about in the second half of the season how can you have so much confidence about that like we don't know what's going to happen in the first half of the season so you could say so confidently oh yeah well, he's going to be this in the second half of the year when what about all the other players you could be drafting so i just think that in his range there are still players i still prefer that i feel good about during the beginning of the season versus breece hall with all the question marks that he has so again Brees Hall's a really good talented player and a player i don't really want to label as a bust but This is These are the players that hurt you, ultimately, when you draft them, because you draft them high and you're excited about them. Like I said at the beginning of the show, busts are the breakouts that don't fire, because they're not all going to hit. So I think Brees Hall, if it's not too hard to figure out why a guy busted, that should be a red flag in itself to be like, wow, Brees Hall wasn't good to start the year and kind of tanked your team. Who could have seen this coming? It's pretty clear all the reasons why it wouldn't work out for Brees Hall to start the year. So he's my number one guy. And then my second guy here, actually, probably my biggest bust of this year is Josh Jacobs, Look, we obviously, I missed, it was a big miss on him last year, but that was the year to draft him, like 2022, 2023, it's a brand new year. Don't go chasing what happened last year with Josh Jacobs, because when you leave the NFL in touches as a running back, just the track record historically has just been horrible. Only two running backs finished as RB1s the following year after leading the NFL in touches since 2013. Only one of them has ever finished inside the top five back-to-back seasons, which is Ezekiel Elliott. The other seven running backs were all season-long busts. So. Again, can, Josh Jacobs signed his new deal. He got a little, he got a little payday bump from holding out from, from camp. He's back, but he's missed all of training camp. Is he in shape? He plays on the Raiders, a team that I bet to lose more that I think is going to lose more than four and a half games this year. Like I think they're going to be a dumpster fire. So are we really going to bet on Josh Jacobs? Just getting all the touches once again, new quarterback is Josh McDaniels going to be the coach the entire year. Zmir White's now entering year two. I just think that if you just copy and paste what he did last year, I think you're going to be very disappointed with Josh Jacobs, which is why for me, especially now that his ADP is kind of back into that second round, now that he's back, on, um, back into camp, I just can't touch him. And I just would be very, I'm telling people to shy away.
1: Before we move on with the show, let's take a second to talk about Air MedCare Network. We talk a lot about what makes winners on this show. And there's one thing that all the teams, coaches, and players have in common. Preparation. Planning is key in everyday life, too. And a great way to be prepared for the unexpected is to join Air MedCare Network, America's largest air ambulance membership network. AirMedCare Network providers operate state-of-the-art helicopters that can respond to critically ill or injured patients who need emergency medical transport. These flights can be very expensive, but as an AirMedCare Network member, you won't see a bill for your flight only when flown by one of their providers. That's right, you would pay nothing. You can become a member of AirMedCare Network for just $99 per year. And right now, our listeners get up to an $80 MasterCard or Amazon e-gift card when they join and use offer code FantasyPros. that's fantasy pros with no spaces make financial peace of mind part of your game plan visit airmedcarenetwork.com forward slash fantasy pros
0: for all the parents out there picture that it's bedtime you and the kids have been busy all day you know they're tired but with all that anxious energy they just won't go to sleep this was my kids every night but i did find that stories calmed their mind and gave them something to focus on So six years ago, I created the kids' podcast, Bedtime History, to help solve that problem. Bedtime History is a series of relaxing history stories that end with an inspirational message. We have episodes about Jackie Robinson, Neil Armstrong, Maya Angelou, and Sacagawea. Episodes also include topics like space exploration, engineering, the rise and fall of civilizations, and major events like the Civil Rights Movement and the Transcontinental Railroad. With over 2,000 positive parent reviews, Bedtime History is one of the top education podcasts. This week, join me and listen to Bedtime History every Monday and Thursday on iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports.
5: Lily Herman, my co-host in season one, helped me choose a team, a driver, and then...
4: Well, we sent you on your jolly way.
5: Yeah,
4: I'm Tony Cameron Brown, a tech, culture and F1 commentator
5: I'm Michael Costa, comedian, daily show correspondent
4: And we're back with season 2 because as it turns out F1's newest fan is still a little
5: Dazed and confused
4: Join us for season 2 of Choosing Sides F1 As we dive deeper into the rabbit hole of the pinnacle of motorsports
5: Who makes money here? What's CFD? How do you manage a tire? You get back in there. What are the rumors? What's the gossip? But you also know that someone's listening to your radio. Uh, I'm going to pull up a picture of a tea cozy. I, I want to see what this thing looks like. Are you going to be doing that accent this whole pod?
4: Listen to season two of Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts,
5: or wherever you get your podcasts. You find it. I'm Julian Edelman from
6: Games With Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time.
1: Debro, it looks like you have uh Josh Jacobs as a top 10 running back. So do you disagree with Erickson here? No, I mean, I'm just kind of in line with with consensus with him. I mean, I've got him
3: as a low end RB1. I I want to push Jacobs down and I'm going to evaluate that before we get into the draft weekend and stuff. Um so people need to be, you know, monitoring my ranks and stuff as we head into the weekend. Um Jacobs is a guy that like look the reality of it is where he goes in drafts, I'm just selecting wide receivers. So I'll stay even with consensus. If you want to go to take Jacobs, like I get the volume reasons for Jacobs. But just like Erickson talked about over the last 15 years, Jacobs had the seventh most touches in an NFL season for a running back. That's that's scary. Like regardless of however you slice it, him holding up, because it's not like he's been a picture of health. He's been dinged up throughout his NFL career, even if he hasn't missed games along the way, he's had a lot of times in various seasons where he's not been hundred percent deeper. Let's stick with you and give me your running backs. Two guys. I got to highlight here, man, Najee Harris and Alexander Madison. Um, You can count me out on both these guys. Uh, ECR has Najee Harris as a top 12 running back. I cannot get there. I haven't met RB 18, like it, run away from it. Try to lie to yourself all you want to, but Jalen Warren is going to be part of this backfield. I'm sorry, Pittsburgh fans. I'm sorry, Najee Harris fans, but it's a fact. Jalen Warren is a better player than Najee Harris. He's more explosive. He has better yards per route run last year. Even if you want to talk about after Najee had the plate removed from his shoe. Jalen Warren had 1.6 yards per route run over that stretch. 23% target per route run rate. Najee was at... Less than 1.0 yards per outrun. Only drew a target on 20% of his routes. So even if we want to talk about Najee Harris, fine. He takes some of the early down work or all the early down work. Jalen Warren is going to spell him on passing downs. There's only so much that Canada can keep Jalen Warren off the field. Najee Harris, again, after they took the plate out of his shoe... Yeah, his tackle breaking was better, and I understand the offensive line stuff. Like, he was top 24 in yards up to contact per attempt and elusive rating. But this guy still had the fifth lowest breakaway run rate after week five last year. That's not changing. We know who Najee Harris is. He's basically the Steelers version of Ezekiel Elliott. It's not good, people. So, I think Jalen Warren is a super talented player. I'm going to fade Najee Harris all day. Give me wide receivers or other running backs At that spot of the draft, same thing with Alexander Madison. Alexander Madison is the legit poster boy for the running back dead zone this year. Everybody, when they talk about Alexander Madison, the first thing they bring up about Alexander Madison is the opportunity. And it's so great about being a Minnesota Vikings starting running back. They're going to pass. They're going to score touchdowns. Nobody ever mentions when they talk about Alexander Madison, the talent or the player first. They talk about the opportunity. And that is exactly what a dead zone running back is. We fall in love with the opportunity and what could he do in this type of role? But we're going to, if you're going to gloss over the fact of the talent of the player, this is how dead zone running backs get usurped. This is how you get hurt in drafts by drafting these poor and pitiful players that cannot break tackles. And that's exactly what Alexander Madison is. His yards after contact per attempt has dropped in each of the last four seasons his yards per route run has dropped in each of the last three seasons. He's so amazingly good, and yet Dalvin Cook, who was—I'm not going to say a shell of his former self, but not peak Dalvin Cook last year. Alexander Madison could only muster seventy-four carries, and with those seventy-four carries, he only got one. You could count it on one hand one run of fifteen or more yards last year. If you're talking yourself into drafting Alexander Madison this year, I'm sorry, but you
1: are going to be hurt. Do you think there's any world where – and I I agree on Najee being a bad pick at ADP. But do you think there's any world where we're maybe overreacting to the inefficiency similar to Josh Jacobs going into last year where – Pedigree of a former first-round pick, still on a rookie contract. Maybe the offense takes a step forward if Kenny Pickett takes a step forward this year. So you can't accuse me of being a homer when I say something positive about (laughs) the Steelers. And, you know, I I think Najee is a talented guy. Again, I I would not take him in the third round where he's often going. But is there a scenario that could play out where he might be this year's poor man's Josh Jacobs? I think that that is sliding
3: uh, Javon Warren in the sense of last year with Josh Jacobs – who Else is in that backfield. People want to talk about Zamir White. I hate to tell you, people and Raiders fans, Zamir White's not that good. He was ballyhooed like this former five star prospect, and he's so good and great. You look at every efficiency metric from Georgia, he is not the guy you think he is. And who else is in that backfield? Brandon Bolden, Amir Abdullah. Jalen Warren will run laps around all these fools. So I think we're talking about they didn't have anybody that was good enough on that roster to take away work from Josh Jacobs last year. That is not the case for Pittsburgh. Jalen Warren can and will do that this year.
1: Guys, it's time to look ahead to the future with our Here's to What's Next segment presented by Miller Lite. We're using this segment to look ahead and celebrate the future stars of fantasy football by talking about our favorite sleepers. Today, I want to ask about Rashad Bateman. I've held off on asking about a Raven in this section for too long. (laughs) Bateman is currently wide receiver 45. Erickson, I'll start with you. What do you make of him as a sleeper coming off the injury last year, but in a possibly ascending offense this year?
2: just a matter of health with Rashad Bateman. He's been productive when he's been on the field, but we just haven't seen a lot of him over the last two years because he's been dealing with some injuries. So I prefer Zay Flowers because I think that they drafted him for a reason because they knew that they couldn't rely on Rashad Bateman. But I would definitely lie on the side of Bateman's youth versus a player like Odell Beckham Jr., who's a little bit older. So... I think Bateman is a nice stash to kind of see, hey, is this guy going to finally play and live up to expectations of a first round pick? So I like him in that aspect. But in a vacuum, I do prefer, prefer Zay Flowers, even at a more expensive ADP.
1: Yeah, Debra, what do you make of Bateman? It, let's assume health for the purposes of this conversation, because obviously that needs to be the case for him to be a real sleeper slash breakout. But if he is healthy, how high is his ceiling this year? He could be a wide receiver too this year. Uh, I firmly believe that.
3: Uh, I have been drafting Rashad Bateman. I will continue drafting Rashad Bateman because, like Erickson alluded to, all we need is health here. The prospect profile is there. The production's been there when he's been on the field with Lamar Jackson last year, weeks one through four. We're talking about a guy that was top 10 in yards per route run and yak per reception. Oh, and guess what? He was also top 12 in route win rate. So, all we need is health to sit here and comply for Rashad Bateman to have a
1: monster season and one of the best values in fantasy. With a Miller Lite in your hand, summer doesn't just taste great. It tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit millerlightcom slash FantasyPros. That's MillerLite.com slash FantasyPros. Or you can find it anywhere that sells beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories and 3.2 carbs for 12 ounces. Erickson, give me your quarterback here.
2: To a tunnel of viola for the miami dolphins is going to be a bust in 2023 because he just doesn't have elite fantasy upside so i I don't draft guys inside the top 12 that don't have an access to an elite fantasy ceiling which tua does not have because tua does not run like he is not a rushing quarterback you need that in fantasy football he totaled six rushing yards per game last year and when he was operating as the qb7 right when he was everybody was healthy he was healthy they were clicking on offense between Tyreek Hill, Jaylen Waddle. He had a 6.3 touchdown rate. That was two touchdowns per game. That tied Patrick Mahomes for the highest touchdown rate in the league. So unless you think that Tua is as good as Patrick Mahomes, I know Tyreek Hill does. I personally don't. That's going to regress over a larger sample size. You know, last year's 25 passing touchdowns were five touchdowns over expectation. That was the most among all passers in 2022. So I think his touchdown production is going to regress. We saw the downside of his passing game at the end of last season over the last four weeks. He ranked 30th in EPA per drop back among 32 quarterbacks. Miami offense ranked dead last in passing success rate. So he has to be efficient from a touchdown basis for him to deliver as a fantasy QB one. And that's going to regress. So with no rushing upside to further bolster his production, I I can't touch this guy. I don't understand why he's being drafted where he's going. I get that, oh, well, he's got Hill, he's got Waddle. It's like, yeah, but like, look at the numbers. Like when he was at his best, he was QB7. That's not top five. You need rushing production to get into that top five conversation. And it's not, Tua ain't it. I I would push back
1: a little on him not having a high ceiling. I recognize that he doesn't run, but like, having guys like hill and waddle do make it a little easier to have a high you know touchdown rate
2: because those guys can take any pass to the house right i yes but what that happened last year he was qb7 like he was not a top five quarterback so that's what i'm trying to get across here is like yeah like he has spiked weeks right but when the weeks where he doesn't have those touchdowns he's outside the top 12 he's outside the top 15 like he's nowhere near where you want from a consistency standpoint, his first seven full games played last season, he finished as a top four
1: quarterback, four of those games. So there was like a stretch in the first half of the year where he was performing like an elite fantasy quarterback. He had, he didn't finish the year as well. Of course, Debro, you're a little bit higher on Tua, right? <laughs>
3: Yeah, I'm higher on Tua, and I and I get reasons why Erickson's lower on him. For me, Tua, I'm higher. Like, all these guys after QB10, QB11 are just in a long tier, and it's like any one of these guys can get into uh, – QB 10 to 12 production. So I'm just kind of parsing between those guys and I'm higher than Erickson on Tua because I do believe in the offense. The other part about Erickson's point about the rushing. Well, I don't see Tua running for a ton of yards. I do see that like there could be some touchdown regression as far as at the goal line, because in the two previous seasons, he didn't have any rushing scores last year, but each previous season prior to that, he had three rushing scores. So I think that we could see some of that come back, even if the rushing yards are not there. And I, I think Tua is a really, really talented passer. I I fought that narrative year in, year out. People posting stuff about it. He can't throw deep. Oh, okay, yeah. And and then he finishes last year as a top 10, top 5 deep passer in damn near everything you look at. And people are still out in the streets saying, "Ah, where's my Tua jokes on deep passes? Like They're they're still trying to clown him on that. And all Tua did was rub them into the ground last year.
1: Debro, uh, we just did actually before the show, our big high level work fantasy league here at fantasy pros, Erickson and I are in sort of the a league this year. Uh, my quarterback was Dak Prescott. It wasn't my top choice. which is just kind of the way the board fell. He is your pick to bust. So please tell me why my season is going to go down the toilet. I'm sorry, worm. That's all I can tell you right now. <laughs> um, I cannot get behind Dak Prescott.
3: ECR e- e- has my QB 10. I, 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 I'm just missing that boat that that's fine. It can launch. It can sink. It's the Titanic. I, I'm not telling that Dak Prescott's going to be just God awful this year, but I miss QB 16. Again, he's in a long tier of guys that I could see that they are just passers that I like that I believe can be QB 10 to QB 12, not named Dak Prescott. And a lot of this comes down to the offense changing this year. And Kellen Moore leaving, the pace is going to go down. The passing rate is going to go down. You look at Brian Schottenheimer, depending on however you want to approach this, Brian Schottenheimer, the last three years he was with Seattle, 20th in neutral pace, third lowest neutral passing rate in the NFL In that time, Mike McCarthy, final year in Green Bay, 15th in pace. He was eighth in passing plays per game. Those numbers, even if you want to go the Mike McCarthy route, it's still amazingly worse than Kellen Moore, who in his time in Dallas 2019 to 2022, the Dallas Cowboys were first in neutral pace, fourth in passing plays per game. We cannot sit here and overlook that the passing volume is going to go down for this offense, and unless Dak Prescott does one of two things—compensates with throwing more passing touchdowns, or he runs more—and I don't think that's going to happen—then he's going to disappoint people. Dak Prescott last year's week seven through eighteen, when he came back last year, he was the QB seven in fantasy points per game. He was the QB eleven in fantasy points per dropback. If those numbers regress, At all, because the pace, the passing volume at all, and this offense just is not playing at that type of clip or they're not as
1: efficient in
3: touchdowns. Dak Prescott is a QB, two, and he's going to disappoint people this year.
1: Guys, one tight end each year to wrap up the show. We'll go quickly through these guys since tight ends other than than Kelsey and Andrews, who you guys did not pick. It's kind of hard to be bust since they don't go that high. But Erickson, who's your bust tight end this year?
2: For me, it's Evan Ingram for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Look, last year, Ingram had the same number of top six finishes, three, as Noah Fant, Darren Waller, and David Njoku. Basically, when you look at his season-long numbers, they're all inflated by his one giant Week 14 blow-up game because before that, he was the tight end 15, averaging fewer fantasy points per game than Kyle Pitts, Tyler Higbee, Hayden Hurst, Tyler Conklin, and Gerald Everett. After Week 14, Ingram went from... He went all the way up to tight end four after starting the season out as the tight end 15 for the first 13 weeks of the year. So for me, you're dropping in Calvin Ridley to this offense. Okay. Does that mean everyone's going to get more targets? Probably not. So for me, he's going in that range of that middle tier of tight end where we kind of have to put somebody above the late round tight ends because of how good he was last year. But it's just a bad return on investment. Historically speaking, when you're drafting in this middle tier, because him reaching that elite status, I don't think is' going to happen after last year because of the addition of Calvin Ridley. And I don't think he's going to outscore a lot of these late round tight ends by a significant margin where you're actually going to get value in drafting him. But the thing is because you invest capital into him somewhat, you're going to be afraid to move off of Evan Ingram to try to ride the waiver wire with a tight end that you could potentially add, who's actually outperforming Evan Ingram, who last year was a tight end 12 or a top 12 tight end. In less than half of his games. So for me, he is a player I've not touched one time in any of these drafts. There are, I'd rather just go after Darren Waller a little bit earlier or just punt the position entirely, get David Njoku later, or just go total late round tight end. Yeah, I'm the exact same
1: way. I almost Mm -hmm. never will draft the 7th to ninth tight end off the board in any draft. And that's historically, too. Like, not just this year. I just never do that really any year. And that's exactly where Ingram is slotting in. Debra, you also have Ingram as tight end 10, which is where Erickson has him in his ranking. So I'll just move on to who's your guy. A little bit bigger name here.
3: Yeah, and I just – Erickson's making such amazing points. I just moved it down to tight end 11. So (laughs) the fade continues, baby. Um, (laughs) Yeah. It, it, speaking of fades here, uh, George Kittle, uh, well, Worm, uh, if you're never drafting tight end seven through nine, you're not going to get George Kittle if you're following my ranks. God, I'm a tight end seven this year, and I will not apologize for that. I will happily draft uh, Dallas Goddard, Kyle Pitts over George Kittle. And this comes down to I think we're starting to see the fall off for George Kittle. And and I'm not telling people I'm sorry, 49ers fans. I'm not telling you that George Kittle is terrible. He's a schmoe, whatever. I'm not. George Kittle last year, but thing we got to talk about things that will not happen this year. 11 receiving touchdowns for George Kittle. Nah, it's not coming back. I'm sorry. I'm old enough to remember when we uh, were out here talking about would George Kittle ever score a lot of touchdowns? Because he's never scored more than six receiving touchdowns before last year in any NFL season. But also, there's other cracks in the pavement. Even if you don't want to talk about touchdown regression here, George Kittle's getting a little bit older. And we have to follow, again, going back to the efficiency part here. George Kittle, I'm not telling you that he was woefully inefficient last year, but there are Things that we need to pay attention to here. Last year, George Kittle, his lowest yards per route run and target per route run rates since his rookie season in 2017. It was the second lowest PFF receiving grade of his entire career. Now, I'm not telling you again that George Kittle is just going to wake up tomorrow and find out that he's Zach Ertz when he takes the NFL field. I'm not saying that. But as a tight end that a lot of people still put in that elite tier or a top four guy, and they're willing to spend up and say, yes, George Kittle can take me to the fantasy promised land this year. I don't think that's going to happen. I think that you're going to be extremely upset. And yes, I'm bringing up two guys in the San Francisco 49ers offense that I'm fading. I fully understand that. This is all to say that you need to get on the party bus for Brandon Ayuk. Do it now.
1: We are in lockstep there, Debro. I think Erickson is too. So I'll just give a quick recap here and get out of here. Erickson's bust this year, Devonte Smith, Chris Alave. That's a tough one for me. I have him pretty much in every league. Josh Jacobs, Brees Hall, Tua Tungavailoa, and Evan Ingram. And for Debro, it's Debo Samuel, George Pickens, Najee Harris, Alexander Madison, Dak Prescott, another tough one for me, and George Kittle. Fellas. Thank you for chatting today. Everybody listening, please go check out Game Time for your ticketing needs. Miller Lite. Go drink a Miller Lite during your holiday weekend drafts, family leagues, whatever it is this this weekend. Uh, Check out Sleeper and the Offer. Get some free fantasy pros advice on there. This is the weekend for just awesome kickback. We've all had a very busy August getting ready for these drafts. Go out, have some fun. Enjoy NFL football next week. For Erickson and Debro, I am Ryan Warmly. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you guys again next time. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Fantasy Pros and subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash fantasy pros.